Welcome back to the Quiet Onset Podcast. I'm Ian Graf and I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. How are you doing, my friend? I am good. Thank you for inviting me back to our podcast. I don't know why I keep saying inviting me back. I don't really know how to introduce myself anymore. I've been <laughs> doing it for, what, 80 episodes? We're getting close to the 100. We are getting close. I feel like for next year, uh, we could, like, uh, at least by the time episode 100 comes around, we should play around with a couple different intros just to pe- mm. throw people off. We could do, like... We could do like a month of very odd intros. I could start it. Intro bits. You could start it. I could oh, say it. Everyone would Wouldn't be that like, throw everyone off? Am I on the what the right fuck podcast? is going on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would maybe be a slight little hint into the future of, of what is to come for the, you know, quiet on set as a brand, but we'll keep it at that. Uh, stay tuned. But yeah, what have you been up to? I mean, does there's been a week without us recording? Um, yeah. anything been been happening? Not really. I mean, it's. Uh, Christmas season and I yeah. work in retail so it's very uh, full-on for me at least very busy other mm-hmm. than that I mean not really I've, I've been playing some video games more than watching movies I've been playing the shit out of Halo because that stuff is so much fun right now and you know I got to see a, a couple films but you'll hear me talking about that in what I've been watching and 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 I guess we're going to be covering it in this uh podcast episode as well gonna be a jam-packed show as, as you can already see from the title we'll be talking about the long-awaited spider-man the third quarter the sequel the third quarter it's <laughs> not even a thing third that's a <laughs> new can... thing we just made a new thing dude dude oh hollywood call me up no it's it's uh you know uh if i if i seem a bit off or maybe um i'm projecting and i'm a bit overhyped i don't know i just had an energy drink to Get me up to speed so I, I don't fall asleep recording this podcast because, like, I don't think many people know, but I, I also have, like, two part-time jobs. I'm, I'm a full-time student and uh, we do this podcast, you know. So stuff gets uh, gets a bit messy sometimes and as finals are approaching and there's, there's, a, there's just a, a load of stuff that I have to uh, get done. That's why, um, you know, we didn't have an episode last week, but stay tuned. We'll, we'll have uh, more to come um, at the start of next year. A lot of fun projects coming, but... Um, looking forward to talking about Spider-Man with you. It's it's a big one, you know. It's it's like it's probably going to be the biggest release of the year so uh, so far. I'm pretty sure that it will mm. like um, crush anything else that's been released at least internationally. I don't think it's gonna you know crack those Chinese films that are almost at a billion. But um, that's getting already in the in the weeds of it. So let's talk about what's coming up in the show. Uh, we got trader discussions for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One, Sonic Two, and the new Guy Ritchie film Operation Fortune. Rue de la Guerre. <laughs> that was terrible French. I don't want to repeat it though, so let's just move on. Wait till you hear me say it. <laughs> it's going to be even better. Uh, but we'll also have a look at the third installment in the Fantastic Beast franchise and play a new round of Kelly's Bootleg Movie Corner. I will also have some uh, shorter reviews for The Power of the Dog and The French Dispatch. And then we'll have a short non-spoiler segment for the new Spider-Man film. And then we'll take it home by talking about No Way Home. Um, we're full on spoilers, so uh, it's a jam-packed episode. I'm really excited. And uh, before we get into the main part of the show, don't forget to drop those five-star reviews over on Apple. Podcast helps us out a lot. And consider joining our Patreon uh, for just one buck a month. You can become a personal assistant and you get heaps of bonus content. Uh, we just recently did something that's within the Spider-Verse, I guess, in the Sony superhero realm. We did a drunk cast and a commentary for <laughs> the new Venom film, and it was a lot of fun. So uh, it's definitely worth checking it out. I think it's it's a, it's a really fun show that we do over there, the drunk cast. So uh, do that if you want. But uh, let's jump into the news. <laughs> 
and with that at this week's new trailers and first up uh, Lachlan we got to talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse part one so what do you make of this trailer? Heaps of Spider-Man stuff coming out dude now. yeah I saw it more as just like a clip really more than anything but I mean it was it was probably one of the more unique trailers that I've seen come out in recent memory because it really doesn't tell you much it kind of just shows you a short two scenes um, mm -hmm. but it definitely gets you hype because oh, yeah. obviously this is part one. And so people now knowing there's a part two eventually coming out, they know there's the, at least there's going to be three of these movies in this style format that, uh, Sony pictures is releasing. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really like into the spider verse. I thought that, uh, what was probably most striking about, the, um, this first look at the, tra I would also say it's more of a first look than a trailer because like we don't get much from the narrative apart from. Hey, these characters are returning. Miles is a bit older, and uh, we get a completely different visual style, which I thought mm. uh, looked really interesting. Very, but uh, the same uh, soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miles just just likes They're Post like, Malone. Hey, Post Malone, can you do another song? They're like, Nah, we're just gonna use the same one. They only, wait, is that okay? I I never checked, but is uh, Post Malone signed under a Sony label? And they just like want to uh, maybe I don't know maybe they they license it, <laughs> but it would be funny if he just listens to Post Malone exclusively. Mm. But yeah, I mean it, it looks really interesting, um, and it's going for something new again. I'm not completely sold on why they are doing a part one. It almost feels like okay, if we say this is part one, we got to do a second one. Yeah. So maybe that's just for them to for sure get two stories out pretty quickly. Because I assume, um, if this comes out, I think late October next year at least. That's uh, where the release date is at now. And I think the next one is then planned to come out the year after. Uh, yeah. And you couldn't really do that with animation. You know, it, it took mm. four years for this one to get made. Uh, maybe, you know, you can do it a bit faster if you already know that there's going to be a sequel and they didn't know how successful the first one would be. But here, I think it's just kind of um, a safety pin that's already in there for them to finish the story that I guess they're doing. I don't know if it's completely necessary to do part one and two. I, I feel like the the uh, live action ones with like Homecoming, uh, Far From Home, and then No Way Home. I get, I mean, I know which one's which, but I, make, I mix them up all the time. And to talk to someone really casually about it, it's like, pff, I don't know which one you're talking about. The first, the second, or the third one. Oh, yeah, the mm. one with Venom and Sandman. No, that's Sam Raimi. Yeah, confusing. Uh, but but it looks really promising and I'm really keen for it. You know if they if they nail it again because like they they could completely fuck it <laughs> and just lose. Oh, it. they could. Right. It's, and then, it's Sony Animations. They've they've done they've done the, the emoji, first, but they've they've also done the emoji movie. So you know, the, by the third installment of this franchise, it's just gonna be emojis <laughs> that represent all the different Spider-Man characters. Ugh. It's all the frown emojis, but it's just like the Spider-Man mask on top of it. All the animals get a Spider-Man suit. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 uh, is set to release on October 22nd in 2022. Uh, also coming out way sooner. <laughs> We're really keen. It was one of our favorite movies from 2020. <laughs> At least for one of us. Uh, it's Sonic. The and greatest movie of all fucking time, in hey. my opinion. Hey, yo, get those. <laughs> crack some eggs and, I don't know, the Eggman is back as well. So we got a first look at Sonic 2. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. There's no supplementary line there it's just, it's sonic, just sonic 2 sonic 2. do we need to know more it's eggman is in there and he has a thick beard and we get idris elba as knuckles <laughs> like oof. soothing voice to listen to uh towards the end that reveal was kind of sick like i was like mm. this is super silly to have like this this really really good actor voice like this this furry character in such a serious way but it was like it got me hyped for some weird reason 
But uh, yeah. I don't know how you felt about it. Uh, I'm keen. I'm very keen because uh, it seems to be less like trying to involve Sonic in a live action film, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. having like a very comic style uh, film with live action elements that aren't as, you know, trying to make Sonic look real. Like what, yeah. is what they originally were trying to fucking do. Look, I mean, I saw a boat, so I just really hope that they don't move on from a road trip to a boat trip. I just... They're doing please, a boat trip. No, please, please don't. <laughs> it's going to be like another third of the movie again. But no, I mean, Tails is also in it. Uh, maybe we'll get Knuckles some other cameos also in as well. It. Yeah, so it's going to be... Tails. Yeah, and what other characters are there? Amy, I think, is one of them. Uh, I don't think oh, she's probably not going to be in. I haven't played a lot of Sonic games. Um but I mean, this this looks really fun. It's a blue hedgehog that goes fast, and uh, they are getting really campy with it. I think even campier than the first one, because like mm. they know where to lean into the weird stuff. And I feel like a lot of that was just <laughs> it was um it was Olive Garden product placements to pay for the reshoots from or like the redesign, and then uh, James Marston and Jim Carrey going crazy. But yeah, I, th I think they're gonna lean into the campiness of. Uh, this whole franchise and uh, it's at least going to be fun you know to see on screen uh, although probably not like something that's going to take your breath away uh, but at least um, some some fun for the whole family hmm. let's move on to someone who's <laughs> there's, there's no bridge to be made <laughs> bridge of spies no wait that's not even his film right <laughs> now let's talk about the next guy richie <laughs> film <laughs> luckily do you want to read it so we can hear your french pronunciation of rousse de guerre uh, Operation Fortune Ruse D. Gary. <laughs> Ruse de Gary. <laughs> Gary. That's what it is. <laughs> is that the snail from SpongeBob? Uh, but but yeah, that's uh, the next film from Guy Ritchie, who's really pumping out quite a few films. I don't know if that's just me who thinks that, but I, I think no, no, he's, he's, I thought the same thing. I right? feel like he's either a got a contract and he's pumping out films, or b he's just in a spot where he wants to be the Samuel L. Jackson, like two thousand Samuel L. Jackson, making shit films, but being as many films as he possibly can be in. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so. I can take from from that that you're not really sold on Operation Fort Fortune. I'm not or... really sold. I wasn't really sold on his. Uh, what was the last one? Um, uh, no, we're gonna cash. The gentleman. Uh, the gentleman was... was fine, but uh, there was that other one that he just released. I can't remember what it was called because I, I fucking hated it. I watched like the first five minutes and I was like, I'm not gonna. Watch Wrath this. of Man. Yeah, yeah. Wrath yeah, of that's... Man. That's it. No, it was uh, called I didn't cash even see it in, in Switzerland. Yeah, it was. It was a. Um... I don't know, it was it was a bit disappointing, just uh, quite predictable. And it's just, I don't know, he just seems to be going for... Uh, the, the Gentleman was fine, I thought that was fun. But uh, I guess with his last two, just uh, simple action. The Gentleman was fine. It, I just I just thought it wasn't as great as some of his previous ones. Aladdin was mm -hmm. kind of probably one of the... I, I would say it's one of the better live-action Disney films. Yeah, uh, for sure, but, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't see Wrath of Man in cinemas. I missed out on it. And when, I, when it came out on DVD... I, I bought it and I watched it and I didn't, I just put it, I just stopped it after about five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I put it back into the case and I've haven't opened it since. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sold on this. The trailer wasn't as fun as I would hope a Guy Ritchie film would be. Um, yeah. but he, he seems to be losing his stylistic, uh, way. I mean, it's still, you know, uh, it does seem to have that Guy Ritchie taste to it, but this trailer didn't have anything that I would say would 
It's it's not King Arthur. It's not Sherlock Holmes. It's not. Uh, I mean, I think his best non Guy Ritchie film would be The Man from Uncle. Did you, did you see The Man from Uncle? I have no, no, I have not seen that one, but I've heard good things about it. Because I don't. I was really, you know, it flew under the radar for a lot of people. I didn't think it had as much of a Guy Ritchie taste as other films did. And he went straight back to, to into his style for King Arthur, like super stylized. So that's the only good non-Guy Ritchie style f- movie that he, I think he's done. So I say Guy Ritchie film in quotations for people who are listening, obviously, because it's a podcast. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not excited for this film. Yeah, it didn't really have me pumped. And we only talked about, we're only talking about this film just because I know you are quite um, fond of his earlier work. Like, yeah, I love uh, his like stuff. A snack he's, he's and, super and fun. Him. So, I, um, yeah. hopefully, hopefully he'll he'll soon get back to something that uh, we are really keen about. Um, but uh, luck on like so many from our generation, you know, there's so many people who are very invested in, you know, what house they are in and what spells they could do and all things surrounding Harry Potter. So. I'm sure there's a lot of excitement for uh, this new outing in the Fantastic Beast franchise. It's called The Secrets of Dumbledore. So, Lachlan, what did you think of, of this first trailer? Uh, I thought it was cool. Um, I'm, I'm on the boat with a lot of people that is a bit upset that Johnny Depp is not going to be in this film um, as yeah. Grindelwald. Because um, uh, I thought that was kind him? of a... Yeah, they just swapped him with he. They <laughs> swapped so him funny. with Mads Mikkelsen, which it's I'm so not going to deny. Yeah, that's um, cool. I do. I, I'm not okay with that because it is Mads Mikkelsen, and I think he's a phenomenal actor. I am in the boat that I'm not the biggest uh, Harry Potter enthusiast. I, uh, what? Like, we just lost five yeah, of your uh, listeners. I've just lost my entire uh, following on social media. Um, yeah, I'm not. I don't. I only enjoy a couple of the Harry Potter films, but overall I find Harry Potter, the main character, very, very boring. I just can't. I just, I just like, I like a good main character, obviously, and I find Harry Potter himself very boring. Not the performance. I have nothing against Daniel Radcliffe. I just find that he's boring. His journey isn't that interesting, I would agree. It's it's more of the surrounding players and the world that, you know, J.K. Rowling has been spouting a lot of shit and is really weird, but the world she established is very interesting. And JK, I mean, yeah. JK Rowling, not going to say that she's a, the greatest human of all time, but she definitely did a great job with creating this world. And I still believe that Harry Potter, the world is good. I just feel like I, yeah. I'm just not that entertained. I love uh, Fantastic Beasts a little bit more. I, I like Newt's yeah. Commander more than I like Harry Potter. Interesting. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone have that opinion. That is, that is super. Did you like the second one as well? Or was it just the first one that you enjoyed? Uh, as, oh, as in like the Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, yeah, the film so far. Uh, I enjoyed the first one more than I enjoyed this. Oh, wait, no, what was, I, mean, I can't really remember. The second, the second one, one was really confusing and like spoilers here. Yeah, no, no, no. It was no, very no, confusing no, 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 towards no, the no, end, yeah. right? No, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I, I don't like the original. <laughs> I like the second. I like the first one. Sorry, I like the first one. I'm getting this one mixed mm. up. I enjoyed the first one because it was, it was like Newt's story. And then the second one really wasn't Newt's story. It was a bit of a mess. Um, mm-hmm. But this one is meant to, like, my, one of my favorite, okay, so my two favorite Harry Potter movies are Prisoner of Azkaban. Of course. And Gotta be. Order of the Phoenix. A, and the yeah. only reason I like top- Order of the Phoenix is it has the best battle in oh, yeah. any of the movies, okay? Mm-hmm. That yeah, fight yeah, between sick. Dumbledore and Voldemort, best, like, the best duel no matter what. Like, even the end battle with Voldemort and Harry Potter, bitch boy level, right? It was, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it short was as well. pussy level. It was it's like boring. You got- 
the better wand, and it's actually my wand, so I'm beating you. But there's there's no there's no excitement in it, no huge water balls and fucking super boring. Rising. And I was yeah. like, yeah, okay. But uh, this one is meant to have a battle between Grindel Grindelwald and Dumbledore, I believe. Oh, and yeah. if it does, mm -hmm. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for this film because I do like the Fantastic Beast. I were, uh, like story. I like Newt Scamander. I think they've kind of fucked up by making it Newt's story. Um, it really shouldn't be Newt's story. It should be Dumbledore's story. So if they just mm -hmm. did a Dumbledore prequel, it would have made more sense. Um, instead yeah. of doing like a like they plan. I think they plan on doing like five movies. Like don't plan on doing five movies. Plan on doing prequel films based mm -hmm. around different characters, right? And then have yeah. them all come back. Like have one based on Newt Scamander to introduce this age of Harry Potter. And then mm -hmm. that's when you can introduce young Dumbledore and Grindelwald and have all of their stories interconnect. And then you can have a prequel story of Dumbledore and you can even have a prequel story of Grindelwald. And if you're going to have five films and then you could have another prequel story of Newt Scamander's love interest and you could have a prequel story of, I don't know, halfway between Dumbledore and, you know, this story and the Harry Potter series. So I I've, think this set of five films is a bit of a mess at the moment. I feel like what you are describing is more of the MCU model of doing things. So you wouldn't have it all under the umbrella of Fantastic Beasts, but different exactly, characters. No, no, yeah, exactly, and then exactly. It leads up to, so I'm, that, I'm, that's yeah. what they should do, yeah. I, I don't think it should be Fantastic Beasts. I think it mm -hmm. shouldn't be five Fantastic Beasts films. I think it should be five prequel films, just not the idea of it's like... If yeah. there's no, I mean, there's going to be monsters and like, like beasts in this film, but right, yeah. it, it really, like in the first film, it has an impact in it. But the second one, there was no point of Newt Scamander being in the story really at all. It was yeah. meh, meh. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we'll check it out when it releases. I don't think it has a release date yet, but I assume sometime next year. I assume probably late in the year. And uh, something that we're getting in spring is a new A24 film called Everything Everywhere All at Once. And um, yeah, Lachlan, I think we just both wanted to mention that. Go, go check out this trailer. It looks really cool. I don't looks think, dope. Do, do we have anything else to, to add here? Apart from looks interesting. <laughs> Got to check that one out for sure. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's directed by the Daniels, which mm -hmm. if none of you have seen any of the Daniels work, um, the best one I can give is uh, Swiss Army Man. Yeah. <laughs> Fun movie. And speaking of a good Daniel Radcliffe performance, where yeah. it's better than Harry Potter. <laughs> and also, if you if you Google the Daniels, it comes up with one of the greatest uh, photo of two people I've ever seen. <laughs> wait, wait, which one I talked about? I saw, I saw a couple of funny ones. Uh, you got a sh there. There's there's a, 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 quite a few that I would describe as as great. Um, Hang on, I'll show you. They look like fun guys. This one. This is the greatest. Tell me this isn't great. <laughs> okay, that's one of the ones that I saw. But yeah, they, they look really fun. Uh, I assume they'll they'll uh, create something interesting that is is not, you know, the most cliche thing. Because it's like, you know, we're talking about Spider-Man and the multiverse today. And um, this is maybe a, more of a like A24 take on the multiverse. multiverse. Uh, so, you know, I'm quite keen what they uh, will, will do with um, the premise. Yeah, and I think that's it for the traders uh, this week. Uh, we have just kind of one story, and from the Game Awards, you know, we do like to to gamble, to dabble a bit in, in the gaming world, and it often relates back to um, the film films as well when they do adaptations of stuff. Uh, but th th that's just a couple things that are uh, to be noted here and were quite interesting, and we'll have a link below to um, all of the major announcements at the Game Awards. 
But uh, we got a first look at Star Wars Eclipse, made by Quantum Dream, dated Heavy Rain, and more recently Detroit Become Human. And uh, it's it just, that trailer looked amazing, Lachlan. I don't know if you had a chance to to check it out, but pff, that looks like a, like a good Star Wars game. I mean, it's a... Nothing, like, it's no gameplay or anything. It is just cinematics. Mm -hmm. um, That's true, yeah. So, but, I mean, they do a lot of that. I mean, Quantum Dream does a lot of, like, those decision-based games. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I, I, I would Might like more. Might just be more, a sick I, story. I mean, I did uh, recently replay... Um, uh, something with Jedi, no? Fallen Order. There it is. Yeah, Fallen Order. I remember. Yeah, yeah uh, Jedi yeah. Fallen Order. That was fun because it has good gameplay. If this is going to be more a story-based one, then, yeah, no, I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, most likely, it looks like a single-player game, so, um, yeah, that could be quite fun. We also got uh, Cuphead, no um, sequel to that one, but uh, some DLC that was announced. And alongside the new Sonic 2 trailer, we got uh, a first look at a new Sonic game called Sonic Frontiers. It's, it's hard to judge these, and I haven't really played any of them in, like, recently, so well, we'll see if this one uh, is interesting and then there was a strategy game uh dune spice wars that looked really really cool i'm keen uh, so we might check that one out uh i haven't really played uh, what is it called i think it's 4dx or something like that what, what was what it was called i think that's like you can um speed up the process up to like uh 4x i think that's why it's called like that and it's a strategy like build up game it could be it could be really fun um and we'll definitely check that one out. And then the most exciting thing, we got Among Us in v VR. <laughs> Among Us in VR. <laughs> we definitely got to play that. We're going to uh, play no. that. <laughs> it would be fun. Once we have that um, that VR episode that's inevitably coming at some point soon uh, for the podcast, we might check out a couple of VR games as well. And Among Us might be among them. Kind of sus, though. Uh, oh my god! I want it. No, <laughs> let's just move on. Ignore what I just said. Uh, and then finally, uh, there was a, a Matrix game. Um, not entirely sure what it exact exactly was. I think it was like a remodel of an older game. Or I don't. I don't know. But there was a Matrix game, and that's all you need to know. I think the biggest takeaway for me is uh, it's the Dune, Spice Wars, and uh, Star Wars Eclipse. Those looked really sick. I played the Matrix game. You played it? Yeah, I played it. Uh, well, hmm. the um. The, the tech demo. It's not a game. It's a tech demo, obviously. Okay. So, so what what is it then? It's a tech it's demo? It's just, it's just a tech demo of Unreal Engine 5. Okay, so it's not a real game. It's just a, a demo. Yeah, it's just, it's just a demo <laughs> of how the world... It, 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 it is really cool. Granted, yeah, okay. it is really cool. <laughs> That's funny. I guess you can already play the Matrix game tech demo for the Unreal Engine. And yeah. Let's talk about what you can watch right now. Uh, because we didn't do an episode last week, we have a bit of stuff to catch up. Since Wednesday, December 15th, you can check out The Hand of God over on Netflix. Uh, since Friday, we got Nightmare Alley in limited release, as well as The Tender Bar with, uh, I think that's the new George Clooney film. And of course, the movie that we're talking about today, Spider-Man No Way Home. Then on Tuesday, December 21st, over on Prime Video, we are getting Being the Ricardos. And then on Wednesday, we get Sing 2. Very excited for that one, of course. <laughs> the Matrix Resurrections in cinemas and over on HBO Max. And The King's Man. Then on Friday, December 24th, on Christmas Eve, we'll get uh, Don't Look Up over on Netflix. And Licorice Pizza moves into its wide release. As well as Parallel Mothers and The Tragedy of Macbeth. So quite a filled 
filled week, uh, especially uh, those last four that I just mentioned, are definitely going to be um, Oscar contenders in some form or another. So we'll definitely keep them on our radar. But uh, it might take a little bit longer until we get to cover them, um, apart from those that are on streaming services. And uh, next week, I think we'll take a look at uh, Matrix. So that's going to be an exciting thing to check out. But uh, let's move on to our special little segment that is called Cali's Bootleg Movie Corner. Each week, currently is currently residing over in Dublin, uh, tries to describe a movie to us uh, in a state of some form of, of drunken drunkenness. Uh, I don't know if that's a word, but it's always entertaining, and we'll try and guess what she's describing to us uh, this week. So, Lachlan, let's just uh, jump straight into it. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Use Squarespace to get your website to sell your stinky socks today. Wait, it's not. I don't have stinky socks. Just so uh, use our code squarespace.com slash to get your free website today. I, I feel like after that ad read, we'll never get a Squarespace sponsor. <laughs> thank you for, thank you, um, thank you for the, um, for the money. <laughs> We're not even sponsored. Hi, I have another movie for you for the Blue that movie card. I forgot what movie I was going to do. So <laughs> bear with me. I know. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome back to another edition. I am currently in my bed counting the days until I can go, can go home because I have noticed Dublin is, is not as nice as I thought it was. Uh, I want to go back to Zurich. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. But I forgot the movie again. Uh, I have it. Okay. <laughs> Let's get started, right? This movie is about two women. That's all. That's the only hint I'm going to give you. Literally. <laughs> okay. Cool. We don't need anything else. Wait, wait, wait. Did re did Kelly really just make a three minute long recording, which she did like a pointless ad read a bit, then forgot twice what the movie was, and continued to say to give us the hint of there are two women in this film. Yes. As Jesus <laughs> My God. <laughs> this is going into a downward spiral with the segment. Jesus Christ. Maybe maybe we'll get a bit more, hopefully. Right, because so far, obviously, I have no clue. And I'm guessing one of you is still going to guess it. I'm just going to, like, wait for you to think about it. It's just about two women. I want you to have a guess, like, right now. And then I might give you, like, a second hint. What's your hint right now? Luckily, the movie with two women. <laughs> um, just two. <laughs> literally any film in the history of time except no, uh, tw uh, 12 Angry Men. <laughs> is it 12 Angry Men? Yeah, it's 12. It's 12 Angry Men. No. Yeah. Drop to one. Just two. <laughs> two angry women. No, uh, I, I'm i not sure. I would. Yeah, the only movie that comes to mind right now is the new one, and she's obviously not talking about it, and that would just be passing the new movie over on uh, Netflix mm. uh, from Rebecca Hall. And it's like, yes. okay, the focus is on two women, but there's so many. I, I just, I'm just going to say passing, and you'll go with, I would say you should go with, uh, you know, with Shrek the Third. I think that's always Shrek the Third, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I Frozen. Hear one more. I Frozen. I want, I, I've really got no... No idea. I, 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 <laughs> my mind is blank in this one. <laughs> okay, let's continue. But if you had it after the first hint, then you're going to get like a special cookie. I do want a special cookie. By, baked by me. My second hint. So first hint was two women. <laughs> yeah, we got that, Kelly. <laughs> second hint is France. France. I, no. French. Such France. a bad me. It is. No, I got an idea. 
Okay, well, um, what's your idea? No, 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 no. Two French uh, women. I, I, I French have women. a suggestion. I got it. I've got it. I've got it. Um, persona. <laughs> Dude, Kelly, Kelly doesn't know persona. Also, it's not yep. French people. <laughs> it's Swedish people. <laughs> nope, it's persona. Okay, okay. Persona I guess you got to stick with. Now. I have. I I don't know what what is two women. I'm assuming friends. that she. I'm assuming that she's mistaking it as French people. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very just like how last time it was a dog and it was fucking Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. So I'm assuming she's mistaking French and and and, and s- <laughs> this is where I'm going with it. <laughs> okay, that is perfect. I, I, I have no. Well, then I'm sticking with Frozen because Frozen is obviously said in France. Mm, the, 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 snow the only country right. they get snow is France. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, well, let's see if she gives us any more hints. And France has more than two women in it. <laughs> I think it just has the two. This is the two worst <laughs> hints of all time. Do you have it? One of bed that you and already has it. You and it's like, I know this so quickly. Yes, and that was indeed a hint when I said that. <clears throat> We're going to cut it short here. Um, I'm going to give you the last five seconds to get me a... I get it. Final There's nothing more common. Thing? There's nothing. Your There's final nothing entry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Final. One more hint would Four. be great. Okay. She, she's counting down. <laughs> okay, yeah. Just, just keep, let, let it go. Frozen. It's yeah, persona let, just and let, frozen. Hey, just let it go. Here we Three, go. Two. One. Watch it. Here it goes. Ready? I, I don't know. I mean, what could it be? This is like, this is probably the easiest one for you. But it's obviously, what else could it be? Two women in France. It's obviously... Portrait of a lady. No, portrait of a lady. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, I'm such an idiot. I'm so, such I'm an so idiot. dumb. I'm so dumb. I'm so, I'm so, oh my God, I hate myself so much. Uh, See, I was like, close. <laughs> it's an artistic film. Yeah. It's an artistic film. There's two but women in couldn't, it. But couldn't you say that maybe Frozen was early? Like it, it made the snow path for Portrait of a Lady on Fire to run. I'm, I'm not totally happy. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? There's also, the, Frozen is a musical. And there's close to no music in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So, you know, no, I'm just, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I fucked this I, one. I, I this one was one. easy. <laughs> I, I should have gotten that one. That was like, yeah, two women. And uh, I, I, Kelly is kind of on point that like, I should have gotten that one. <laughs> it's like one of my all time favorite movies. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bit embarrassing. Anyways, let's wrap this up and get to some other movies. Ugh, turning red. You one can tell you that you're the director. But I am way too out of my mind to tell you what it is right now. Don't do Jaeger bombs. Have a good evening. And I'm going to go sleep. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night, Kelly. I think this is still, like this, I think there's still, uh, yeah, there's two more from that night out that she had at Wetterspoons with those cheap drinks. And I assume they're not getting any better if she, like. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll have another one next week. Uh, totally off. Okay, so you had, uh, I had frozen you. <laughs> I love Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's at least a good shout out to give uh, to for people to um you know go check out that movie. Uh, it's better than Frozen. It's maybe on par with Persona. All great films, I guess. Uh, about two French women. <laughs> great two stuff. French women. All right, let's uh get onto what we've been watching and uh let's see if there's some French women there as well. Okay, first up, Lachlan, I believe you started uh, the new Witcher season. 
Yeah, I watched the first episode just before uh, recording. So uh, as someone who hasn't played The Witcher games yet, I do own, I think, all of them, or at least uh, the third one. Ewan owns every single game that's ever <laughs> existed, but he plays like the same. He played, uh, he's playing Among Us. I see it all the time. I, just, yeah, he only, only play plays Among Us. <laughs> I play. I played a wallpaper game that lets you choose different wallpaper backgrounds. And move. PC builder. And that PC building game. The PC builder game. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm doing. Farming um, simulator, Among Us, and PC builder. <laughs> and for some reason, he's in VR chat a lot. And then, like, there's some, you know, not gonna, <laughs> gonna get dirty real quick. But uh, yeah, what did you think of, of the uh, start of this uh, second season? Uh, so far, so good. It's a bit slow to get off and start off with, but that's okay. It's kind of bringing you back into the world. Um, I am enjoy. I enjoyed it, so I'm excited to watch. I'm literally going to continue to continue the uh, rest of the season. Hopefully tonight and tomorrow. Um, mm -hmm. I'm literally going to keep watching as soon as we stop recording, and then yeah, I'll get back to you next episode on the I guess the the summary of the season. Yeah, I mean by the time um we are I'm I'm done with all my exams, which will be on the twenty third. I, I I just have an itch to watch like a fuck ton of movies, and I might yeah. even squeeze in the first and second season of The Witcher. Uh, because like next week's episode would also come out a bit later because of Christmas and everything. Um, but uh, but yeah, I might even have a full recap of The Witcher as well as Hawkeye. We'll also do next week. And then uh, we both saw The Power of the Dark quite a while ago, but it just came out, well, it just came out 18 days ago, I think, on Netflix, so it's been quite a while. Yeah, luckily, maybe just just briefly, uh, what did you think of The Power of the Dark? Uh, it's really good for anyone who wants to see just a, uh, a well-crafted film. Uh, it is a very enjoyable uh, story. Uh, it's really, really well-performed. Uh, you've got uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, starring as the main character. Um, it is, uh, directed by, uh, Jane Champion, who is a very, uh, well-known director. She's also the director of films such as, uh, The Piano. Um, what was the other one that she did that I've, uh, I, I know of, but I haven't actually seen. <laughs> I haven't seen any of her other films as well, but she has, uh, she hasn't done a movie in 12 years. Um, yeah. but she is quite an accomplished uh director and um another one that she did was pretty close to what kelly was describing today it's called portrait of a lady and um she also did bright star in the cut sweetie an angel at my table um just a lot of really interesting films that i haven't seen yet but i've only heard great things about them so um yeah for some reason i thought that she was she was like when i first saw this because i, I didn't know her before really i thought that she was quite a, a young director and I was quite yep. surprised uh, when I saw the, the rich library of stuff that she had already done. Um, so definitely a good, I feel like this movie is a good entry point um, to get into it because it's like her her films are often, because um, like I, I really enjoy listening to a film podcast from Chicago called Film Spotting and they do a phenomenal job. It's been going on for like 12 or 15 years. It's been a long running show and uh, they just did a oeuvre review of Jane Campion going through pretty much all of her films leading up to The Power of the Dark. And it's been really interesting just already hearing the themes and, and stuff that she uh, she tackles oftentimes. And it's completely different uh, things that she looks at. But uh, she always has a really strong like female perspective that uh, 
is is not like simple uh in that sense that it, it's very nuanced the way that she approaches a lot of a lot of stuff and i thought that she approached the genre of westerns in a very polarizing fashion but so subtle the entire time i was watching the movie i was kind of questioning okay where are we going with this what is the main focus of this overall story and by the end of it obviously not going to spoil go check it out yourself it's um, streaming over on netflix um I, I I just was taken aback and I was like, this this was just heavy and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so a big shout out to Power of the Dog. It's great directed, well performed, and um, also it looks really great. I love the cinematography in it as well, and it's got one of our homeboys in it as well with Jesse Plemons. I always love to see him. Jesse Plemons. Uh, what did you give it? If you don't mind me asking, uh, I gave it an eight out of ten. Oh, four out of yeah. five. Yeah. Yeah, I gave it a four out of five as well. Yeah, I think it's a solid contender for. Best picture, if that's something that interests you, I guess, as a listener. Uh, I think it has a shot at taking home that, that golden boy, the main one. And uh, I would be upset if she doesn't get nominated for this because, like, you know, we need more representation. Yeah, I feel like she should be up there. Um, at least, yeah, at least in my opinion, it's one of the most, um, one of the best directed films this year, I would say. Uh, but yeah, go check it out yourself. Uh, let's move on to a story about a publication service. Uh, called the French Dispatch. I guess it's just a paper that, um, Lachlan, you recently got to catch up with because due to COVID and everything, uh, it just released over in uh, Australia. It so, did. yeah, uh, what did you make of the French Dispatch? <laughs> I have a weird relationship with Wes Anderson films. I really love a lot of them, if not all of them. Yeah. Um, I think the the ones I have the least, uh, or the, the smallest relationship with is probably Royal Tenenbaums and and Life Aquatic. Um, they're probably the two that I really um, and and Bottle Rocket as well. Um, Bottle Rocket is probably one of my the ones I've only probably most recently seen. For me, uh, Moonrise Kingdom is is like my favorite from Wes Anderson, just because uh, when I watched it, I was at that age that Susie was uh, and um, Sam, uh, Susie and Sam are. So it was kind of like that's I related to the most. But also, you know, then I watched uh, Grand Budapest and that's an incredible feat of storytelling and obviously his animated films, Isle of Dogs most recently, which I uh, missed out of cinemas, uh, unfortunately, and obviously um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. This one sits as a, as a bit of a weird spot for me because I don't know whether it's just that I didn't, I, I watched it at a cinema and unfortunately the cinema didn't have the whole like it was slightly cropped the screen so i missed out on text quite a bit and that and that kind of annoyed Mm. me yeah that is super annoying um uh, but for me i think uh i just had an issue with how it was put together Mm -hmm. overall um you do have obviously with say for example grand budapest you do have uh multiple timelines told throughout the film and yeah. it's put together in a way that's really interesting. And it is telling a story that that still goes through. The unfortunate thing for uh, French Dispatch for me is that because they're all, well, there's there's four or five, but mainly three big stories, they're all disconnected from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is kind of like a start, stop, start, stop, start, stop kind of film where yeah. you're sitting there for an hour and a half, but you've watched three completely different stories that are put together and held together by the French Dispatch, the the, mm-hmm. the title of the film, the the magazine of the film, um, where obviously in the Grand Budapest, it's he's telling a story, 
of how it came to be the Grand Budapest Hotel. And mm -hmm. even though it's multiple timelines, it's still a one story put together of the Grand Budapest Hotel. If the yeah. French Dispatch was very similar to that in the sense that it was how the French Dispatch came to be, the story of um, Bill Murray's character, um, Arthur, whatever his name is, Arthur Mausewitz Jr., if it was the story of that, that would make more sense. But because it's multiple, because it's this the story of this last magazine, that's my biggest issue with it. It just, there wasn't a, a continuous flow. No, I, I, was, I was thinking the same thing because like it is framed under the whole uh, premise of this is the last story, kind of summing up the greatest story that the French Dispatch has published, right? Yeah. And uh, I didn't really see that come together why those stories were in any way whatsoever like meaningful other than it was like a story from each different period and kind of loosely maybe related to each other, uh, but not more strongly than it was published in the same newspaper and i do like the grand budapest comparison because you know that is a place that can change visually and hmm. you can also switch up like the aspect ratio if you go black and white and whatever um and it does that like so much in the french dispatch and i wasn't always like okay that's what i needed to contextualize where this scene takes place now or what's the i don't know the thematic background to making that choice and i felt like in grand, Buda grand budapest that is such a technically well done film that you can forgive maybe that the narrative isn't like as deep, but it doesn't need that at all because it oozes that style just, you know, and, and the production design yeah. is, is is enough to support the story at large. But like having these kind of off-note um, stories play out didn't really work for me either. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that they think that it is very rich overall, like really dense in the way that um, that like things are portrayed. There's a lot of stuff in the background that... You might miss, but uh, I just want to look at a Wes Anderson film. If it's like, this is pure Wes Anderson, and then I just want to enjoy it. I didn't really get that enjoyment uh, out of it on the first watch. Uh, and it's been a while for me as well. I saw, I saw it like three months ago, so definitely need a refresh and all yeah. that. But, uh, it definitely but yeah. has his uh, his taste, his style, but I feel like there was a bit too much of mi mishmashing of, um, mm -hmm. like, for example, the final film, uh, final story has a lot of animation built into it, and I feel like the anim animation definitely doesn't flow as well as I as as I'd like. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why. Out of all the stories, that one has animation built into it to tell, I guess, uh, uh, a part of the story, like the most action-packed part of it, the chase scene, for example. Um, and there's a lot of black and white, and then it turns into color. Mm -hmm. So it there's an interesting use of how he's doing black and white and color. Uh, in this uh, film, which I'm yet to kind of pull apart and understand, which is another reason why I kind of want to go watch it again. Um, yeah. Did you have a favorite story out of the three? Because I it... would say the first one. Uh, I liked the okay. um, whole like, what is art in a sense? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what is and what is the discussion about art? I, I feel like he did that in in the subtext quite well. At like, what's the role that a magazine plays in reviewing it and how it's shaping it and how you can influence something that maybe is like a great artist but you can just misuse it it just had a lot of interesting themes and i didn't really see that come through in the other ones which what what, what were the other two one was um a bit of a inappropriate relationship between uh timothy chalamet and francis mcdormand in yeah. revolutionary thing and then the last yep. one was the one with tilda swinton or am i mistaken but yeah the um the cop's kid being kidnapped 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, the last one was a bit. Uh, My favorite one was the the Timothy Chalamet one because yeah. it was the most. Uh, I I thought it was the best written one in terms of the dialogue was mm-hmm. quite snappy and fun. But obviously, it's about a really good writer and about a manifesto and and, and editing that manifesto. So it was very much around. Uh, the power of words, I guess, as a, as a the way I saw it. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I found that one the most entertaining because one, it did have that uh, dark sense of humor that mm-hmm. uh, Wes Anderson can do and also that light sense of humor. And it also, in my opinion, was very cute. Like, I do like that. My favorite, my favorite was Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. So it was very cute, that little story. It was um, quite good, yeah. I think for me, I then enjoyed the art one as a very close second just because it was funny how this guy did a, a double double murder and he's the greatest artist of all time. Um, I thought it was really fun and I agree. It's kind of like what art can be. Um, and, my, and my least favorite one was the, the cop being kidnapped because I thought it was the most uh, in your face about the stylization of Wes Anderson films with animation mm. and um, mm. all that jazz black and white even though it had willem dafoe in it and i love willem dafoe but uh uh i'll just leave it at that but no yeah uh that's just my opinion on french dispatch really i, I just I, I i enjoyed it but i didn't enjoy it as much as i enjoyed other uh west end of sin films uh i only gave it a three out of five funnily enough interesting yeah I, I arrived at the same rating for it and uh that that's gotta be one of your lowest ratings then as a, as a big fan of wes anderson overall right um I think so, actually. Hang on. I think I've got them all rated on Letterboxd. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we maybe for the Patreon is just a discussion. We got to do like um, maybe a ranking or like a bracket for for Wes Anderson. But I am the one missing quite a few of them. Well, I haven't seen uh, The Darjeeling Limited, uh, Life Aquatic, uh, Denimbons and Bottle Rocket. So, yeah, still got four more to go. Uh, but actually, Darjeeling Limited also has a three, funnily enough. Mm, okay. Yeah, um, it's it's a, it's a weird thing. Apart from yeah. apart from Isle of Dogs, I, I I like a lot of people range from like Rushmore being their favorite, and a lot of people just have like the Grand Budapest at the top there, and might be up there as well. Maybe for me, it would be Fantastic Mr. Fox or something like Moonrise Kingdom. I've got I've got but Fantastic yeah, yeah. Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, and uh, Grand Budapest as four and a half stars. I've actually got Life Aquatic and Rushmore being four stars each, uh, mm-hmm. and then it goes three and a half stars, Isle of Dogs, Royal Tenenbaums, uh, Castello, Cast- which is their, like, short film. Um, and then and then it goes, then it goes uh, Bottle Rocket. Wait, did I give? Yeah, I've given Bottle Rocket, Darjeeling Limited, and French Dispatch a three stars each. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's going to be a pretty one-sided bracket or re- ranking then if we already know that yeah. our three top favorites are also the most popular of the director's filmography. Mm. <laughs> we are quite basic. <laughs> That's what we do here at the Quiet and Set Podcast. Uh, but yeah, I think that wraps up uh, our thoughts on The French Dispatch. I feel like it's overall been received quite positively. You know, that just means we get more Wes Anderson, hopefully, in the future. And I, I don't know if I want him to branch out in the same way that maybe Edgar Wright tried to do with Last Night in Soho. Because I, I don't know, I feel like he's just gotten really comfortable within his style and he does have people who enjoy it, like, regardless. They just want to see the next Wes Anderson and know what they're getting. But mm. I wouldn't mind if, you know, you know he, he kind of swings for something and maybe does something a little bit different. Like, maybe, maybe move a character and a camera. <laughs> it doesn't always, like, one or the other doesn't have to be static. You know, it could be mm. both. 
Uh, but I don't know. That's that's a big deal for Wes. So uh, we'll see. And uh, let's move on to a movie that also features Willem Dafoe. That's not a spoiler. He was in the trailers, uh, by the way. So we'll in a non-spoiler discussion for No Way Home. Um, everything that was shown in trailers uh, is fair game. And then we'll give you a proper spoiler warning. But I mean, this movie has been doing crazy. So to think that someone listening hasn't seen it yet is is almost unthinkable. But let's uh, hear it from the logline of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Peter Parker is unmasked and no longer able to separate his normal life from the high stakes of being a superhero. When he asks for help from Doctor Strange, the stakes become even more dangerous, forcing him to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Lachlan, what does it truly mean to be Spider-Man? Uh, um, uh, it's all about how you shoot your webs. I would say, look, I got it right in front of me. Pizza time. <laughs> Pizza time. <laughs> Pizza time. I got pizza. Uh, yeah, uh, so let's talk about it. Uh, dude, overall, uh, this movie has been getting crazy reviews. Like, obviously, the fans are purring, purring in and uh, shooting this one to the moon as uh, when it comes to ratings. But currently, on Letterboxd, is sitting at a 4.4. <laughs> on IMDb, yep. a 9.1. I think that's the highest rated movie of all time. <laughs> With a 9.1. Yeah, wow. And on Metacritic, it's a 72. So I assume it's going to come down at least a little bit. Um, And we also got the box office numbers. I think currently, as of Sunday, December 19th, um, we'll we'll have a little update at the end of this. Uh, It's currently sitting at a 165 million worldwide box office. Uh, Again, I'll have an update uh, right after here where I give you the number uh, for the overall uh, weekend gross. But yeah, it looks like it's one of the biggest openings uh, of the year, uh, like regardless. I think it's probably going to be the biggest one and uh, just the highest grossing movie that's not Chinese overall. So you may want to reconsider that, Chief. Okay, so here's, uh, I, w- I was about to say post-mortem, Ewan, back to you with the numbers. Uh, it's been quite some time. This episode was scheduled to come out uh, this Monday and then just I got really busy with all my uni stuff that I talked about um at the start of the episode but no <laughs> no way home has been doing crazy numbers it's it's one of the biggest openings of all time not just of 2021 and it it is on course to be the first movie since i guess 2019 to uh break the uh good old number of a billion dollar box office gross and it's currently standing at almost an 800 million um gross with uh 356 coming in from the domestic box office and about 422 million from the international box office. So it is fair to say that uh, No Way Home was a huge success. Uh, I believe it had uh, the biggest weekend gross, the second biggest only compared to Avengers Endgame. Funnily enough, it's one of those rare cases where because it is a Sony production in cooperation with Disney, it's actually like, apart from Disney films being featured on there and you know, uh, legacy Fox movies on that uh, chart. We are getting a smaller studio, I guess, in parentheses with Sony's, uh, with Sony being uh, involved up there, which I guess could be kind of interesting. And yeah, it just kind of broke all kinds of records or got really close to them when it comes to, I guess, being just, you know, second to Avengers Endgame, uh, having really big um, months and... uh, Kind of being, you know, the biggest uh, December weekend release and stuff like that. Just a huge success. And 
Uh, great stuff. I mean, the only downside to this is that uh, cinemas are obviously, you know, noticing the change and some smaller films are getting less recognition. We won't be touching on any of that in this episode. So I thought I'd just uh, splice it in here because while these movies like Nightmare Alley uh, are not out here yet, uh, at least for me, and I missed uh, West Side Story, haven't seen it yet, but uh, those were also distributed by Disney. And for some weird reason, they they put them really close to No Way Home. So I don't know if that, <laughs> you know, there's a bit of a conspiracy going on. <laughs> just like bury these movies. We, want, we just want ours to flourish. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's I guess that's um, just a happenstance of what happens if the movie uh, overperforms. I guess it is what it is. And um, yeah, let's let's uh, get back to talking about No Way Home. Uh, Lachlan, what did you what did you make of the movie without spoiling it? I guess so far, did you did you have a good time with it? I did. I I definitely did. It's really hard for me to say no. I didn't because uh, I enjoyed myself way more than I have in any recent MCU film. Funnily enough, I think the only time that I've had such a a great time is 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 Endgame. Obviously, because again, this is a very much a big crossover. Uh, film yeah. uh, with all these villains that we've that we've come to love in the previous films. There's actually like the best way I can describe whether I enjoy this film or not to you is funnily enough when I was sitting in the theater, I actually thought at one point this could possibly be my favorite MCU film to date. Oh wow, okay. And you are what's what's up there is Endgame and Infinity War. Endgame's obviously up there. Uh, yeah. I don't think Infinity War is is up there as as high. I think I I personally right. enjoy Endgame a little bit more. Um, but like obviously the Iron Man, um, Captain Marvel being number one. Just kidding. Um, but 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 obviously uh. Iron Man being up there as, like, obviously the first one. I do have the uh, first Doctor Strange being up there, uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, so you are quite fond of the Doctor Strange character. I I do. I do. I really do enjoy the Doctor Strange character. I really enjoyed the first Doctor Strange film. Um, yeah, like, like my favorite probably MCU film to date would be Endgame. But I also enjoyed Doctor Strange. Uh, I enjoyed the second Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, Captain America, First Avenger, mm-hmm. Witcher Soldier, things like that. So a lot um, of them. <laughs> but um, I, I enjoyed a lot of them. And that, those mm-hmm. were kind of my favorite ones. Um, actually, I enjoyed Ant-Man quite a bit. Um, but for me, when I was watching this, look, there's one character in here that I want to get into more when it comes to spoilers. But mm-hmm. this character is back. And that character being the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Willem Dafoe, the Green Goblin, is the greatest villain, I think, ever. I don't, I don't care about Thanos. I actually think that Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin is mm-hmm. one of the best villains ever put on not only like superhero screen, but like cinema screen. That is, wow. <laughs> that is high praise. Uh, for, uh, do you mean the character overall? Or the character overall. Willem Dafoe's his, performance. Willem, um, no, his performance, obviously. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. Ele- like he's a g- phenomenal actor, but also mm-hmm. the character itself. He's seen, you know, uh, the rise and fall of Spider-Man, like basically a second son to him, uh, Peter yeah. Parker, he, the portrayal of Peter Parker. Obviously, he is sick. He's he's sick in his own head. And you mm-hmm. see Osborne for a minute there, uh, 
and you see him, and I don't want to get into spoilers too much, but you, you do get mm-hmm. to like hang out with Osborne quite a bit in this film, and it's the same with Doctor yeah. Ock. Like, like he, you get to you get to hang out with him quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously didn't talk to Lizard that much, and obviously Jamie Fox is Jamie Fox. So obviously, they're gonna hang out with Jamie Fox for a bit because he's cool as fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like for me, the the greatest part of this film is how they brought these characters together. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did some of these characters better than they did with just throwing them in Endgame. Like I like Endgame has a lot of characters in it, obviously, right? It's a big cinematic event and they did it really yeah. well. But there's I don't think there's any of these characters that I think didn't get justice. Like a lot of these characters that they brought onto screen and brought back had enough screen time and they literally were like like the the story, I'm not gonna spoil it for a lot of people, but um Spider-Man, I mean, it's really hard not to spoil it, but is it is it a spoiler if I talk about what they what what Spider-Man does? So that's your spoiler warning. Click away if that's you have a spoiler warning. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. the fact that Tom Holland tries to fix these characters is basically them being like, we're gonna fix what we did <laughs> with the previous universes. And I think that's great because obviously the other Spider-Man is trying to save and fix it as well, and then they flop in the final film and they don't make another Spider-Man movie and they, they make a new Spider-Man trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one I guess they didn't do is Venom, which would have been crazy, but obviously they already had a Venom in this universe that they're set up. Um, yeah. Uh, so it, it is kind of, it is quite interesting to see these characters come back. And I mean, first of all, Dr. Ock just not be crazy anymore and mm-hmm. help. Like, it's crazy to see him fight, but also then Tom Holland's Spider-Man fixes him and he's just like, "Yeah, it's me, I'm back, I'm not insane. And he can actually function and they and he gives back the nanobots and it's crazy. It's like, that's an, inc- that's an awesome scene to be mm-hmm. like a Spider-Man fan. I mean, I wouldn't actually call myself a Spider-Man fan. It wasn't until Into the Spider-Verse I was like, I like Spider-Man, he's cool, but only yeah. when it's only when it's um, Miles Morales. Um, I didn't really enjoy <laughs> Peter Parker, but I, I like Tom Holland. He's probably my favorite Spider-Man, Peter Parker today. <laughs> I, I loved the Jamie Foxx line from Elector. I was like... Yeah, no, I was just really disappointed. I thought that, like, you know, you might be black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny line. Uh, I, I thought that, like, that also sums up what a lot of this movie is. I feel like this is pure, unapologetic fan service. Mm. And it's done in a way that works. I would say, mo- like, m- most of the time it does work. Because, like, you, the, the movie rides on the back of uh, the main trio having a great dynamic and then interacting with others in a very MCU, quippy type of fashion that they do mm. which i wasn't completely sold on sometimes when they reel uh dr strange into this as well because he doesn't come off as like this quippy character a lot and, and to get to the premise of opening up the multiverse i i thought like okay i guess i guess we're doing this so we get to what we're getting to in this movie it didn't really make sense to me that these characters are suddenly all so incredibly dumb to, to do mm. that and so careless uh there's some there's some uh issues that I have with that, but I don't think it takes away from the overall enjoyment of seeing uh, these characters back on screen. And I think 2021 has been such a year of nostalgia with like Ghostbusters, Matrix is coming back. Even someone who like enjoys like fucking musicals from the 60s is getting a remake from Spielberg of West Side Story. There's just a lot of that stuff and um, some of it is done well, some of it is pretty terrible, but uh, I thought that No Way Home did a great job because you know, the best part of that uh, original trilogy, I wouldn't say it was Tobey Maguire because like, you know, if you, he, he hasn't been acting a lot and he's kind of a douchebag behind the scenes. Uh, but the best part of, for me was also the villains. I thought that Willem Dafoe was by far the best thing about the 
uh, first Spider-Man and then um, Doc Ock was the best thing about the second one. So uh, it was great to see them come back and maybe like uh, subvert our expectations of what these characters are, like just bad guys that you, you can fix. I thought that that thing was a bit like it was a bit silly to like, oh, you all need a device and then you're fixed. And well, I'll get them into our apartment. It's just really naive from um, Spider-Man to guess be that. But I'm OK with it because he, he is this young character uh, that maybe just tries to see the best in people, which to me also feels a bit weird because he just saw a dude snap like half of the world away, half the universe. And now he's just like. You know, for this, for people he doesn't know from a different, yeah, from a different universe even, um, he just trusts him because he's like, yeah, I know, uh, he, he, I don't know. To to me, like a lot of the stakes that are created in this film are purely out of uh, Peter's own mistakes. And mm. previously, in even in the at the Amazing Spider-Man, um, and in the first trilogy, they treat those mistakes as really Peter's mistakes. But here it's presented more as like, this is a lesson that has to overcome. He's, he's not Spider-Boy anymore. He's actually Spider-Man that he's becoming. And I thought like, well, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, to get to a big moment, I, I, I thought he was, he was kind of responsible for Aunt May's death, to be honest. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, you caused this. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? I, like, I, I kind of rolled my eyes when uh, she said, with great power comes great responsibility. Like there's there's a line, and I feel like they, they were playing with the line quite carefully. And in some moments, I was just like, okay, this is from another movie of, that I've already seen. Yeah, look, they did have a lot of lines from other films. I think I was the only person in the cinema. Like there was a lot of people in the cinema when. So obviously, we're spoiler talk now. Tobey Maguire mm -hmm. and Andrew Garfield come back. There was a lot of like, whoa, what? Oh my god! Because some people obviously don't know that they'll like rumored to come back, so it is kind of just like a surprise. Mm -hmm. But I was the, I think I was the only person in the cinema, and I I didn't cheer when the other two came on. I'm kind of like a quiet cinema watcher. Mm -hmm. I really don't like cheer, clap, or any any shit like that that really annoys me. Um, for me, uh, I, I know where <laughs> you're going with this. I know where you're I, going with this. I had. I, I chuckled. Actually, no, I laughed when Willem Dafoe was like, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was also a funny line. I thought it was going to reference the Daredevil. I think I was the moment. only person that had like a, what? I, I mean, people also kind of were like, oh, oh my God, when uh, Matt Murdock showed up. But yeah. when that line was said and he was like, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself, <laughs> I just, I, I was like, nah, they've done it. They've won. They, I was like five stars right here. Um <laughs> Yeah, for some reason, the the thing when they are on the uh, the uh, Captain America fight, Captain America fight, um, Statue of Liberty, and Toby Maguire says like to Andrew Garfield, "No, you're amazing, you're amazing." I was like, "Okay, I get, yeah. I get it, I get it." Yeah, you don't have to repeat it three times. Like, I got it. I understand. I understand the joke. I do. I, I get it. Yeah. I, <laughs> did you see Rhino at the? <laughs> At the end in the sky. I did see in the sky, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, they're not going to bring him back. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, he, he hints at it. Uh, what I thought that uh, full on talking, I guess, about the uh, two returning Spider-Man, I thought that Andrew Garfield's uh, version of his character was just better than it was in his own films in this. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised. He was very quippy and, and it worked uh, well amongst the others. Because like his was mm. a bit... His his was a bit more serious and a bit more stern overall. He was like more of a cool Peter Parker that skates and uh yeah, I don't know. It it, it just it just worked really, really well in, in this universe. And uh what do you think Toby. of the banter between um I guess like all the characters? There was just a lot of banter. Um yeah, no, it, they 
I mean, Tobey Maguire was obviously like the the grandpa Spider-Man. Like he's the most mm-hmm. experienced. He seemed to be obviously the oldest. So he obviously being the 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 older one, the one that has the back issues, blah, blah, blah. By the way, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield cracking each other's backs was like gold, comedy gold. <laughs> the banter was, was quite good because each of them have their own kind of personalities. They're all Peter Parker, yeah. but they all have this different kind of personality towards them. Um, I never found Tobey Maguire's uh, Spider-Man to be as quippy as either Andrew Garfield's or uh, Tom Holland's. And Mm -hmm. I found Tom Holland's humor to be very different to uh, uh, Andrew's. So them all having these different kind of personalities and all coming together, but being very similar made it kind of flow quite well. And them all having different, like trying to figure out which Spider-Man was, who was going to be called Spider-Man was like the best kind of, um, uh, cause obviously in into the spider verse, they don't have that issue cause they're all like spider Gwen or, uh, miles or, um, Neo noir Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this one, it's like, I'm Peter Parker. I'm also Peter Parker. I'm also Peter Parker. We're also all Spider-Mans. <laughs> it, it, it got complicated. So they all yeah. handled it. it. It was handled quite well. <laughs> it's like that meme of. Spider-Man pointing at each other and it's three of them and they all say, I'm Peter Parker. It's, yeah. You're Peter Parker. I'm Peter Parker. You're Peter <laughs> yeah. Parker. Mm-hmm. What did you think of uh, the supporting uh, Ned and uh, MJ? Uh, well, there was also just, I guess, the hints that they were giving, uh, like when when Ned said, uh, I, I, like, I think he was talking to, who was he talking to? To Toby, probably. Uh, Toby Spider-Man. Um, that, uh, my best friend tried to kill me <laughs> afterwards yeah. to him. Like, and in the comics, I think Ned Leeds uh, becomes Hobgoblin at some point. Yeah. So I think they're just kind of hinting towards that. Like, oh, I'm definitely not going to do that in a, in a sense. And I don't know. They weren't setting it up here. And I appreciated that. They weren't going for too much. Um, so the side characters of her and Sendaya, I feel like they just feel like a, a group that uh, actually works together. Um, I wasn't mm. completely sold on the comedy the whole time. And the, the 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 bantering because like they take everything in such a nonchalant and on non serious way, whatever is thrown at them. That uh, then their whole concern about getting into MIT, which I think has like a three percent entrance a- acceptance thing, it's really low. Uh, it's it's weird that they open up the whole multiverse just because <laughs> didn't get into MIT. Oh my god, <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's very funny, uh, but not in the context of the film. But just like thinking about that premise, <laughs> it's like. Aunt May died because Peter, MJ, and Annette didn't get into MIT. <laughs> Decided it's just it's funny to me. Uh, but 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 yeah, uh, Ned is still the guy in the chair, as he repeatedly says. Mm. Uh, and Sandeya, I think, works way better now that she knows his secret. I mean, everyone else knows it as well. Uh, so it, that is a bit different. But that dynamic, I think, is al- always hinders the depth uh, between two characters when. One of them has to keep a secret from the other. Uh, mm. And I think they, they did it in a smart way that like they, I guess they did it in the second one and in the first one, but you know, they get around to it pretty quickly and they are just like, they're really supportive uh, at all times. There's, there's not a lot that comes from their dynamic, like if they have issues or not, it's usually resolved really fast, but it's just, I don't know. It's just like, they, they seem like two perfect people on screen. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know <laughs> it's just no qualms with them they, they just they just do their thing and it's it's enjoyable to watch uh but yeah what did you think of their whole dynamic yeah it was fine um i thought mj had uh more to do in this story ned mm-hmm. was kind of like on the back burner i guess um yeah for sure 
But again, uh, I only ask because obviously in the other ones, other other films, they do obviously have quite a bit of importance to uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. But in this story, it was kind of like they're on the back burner and it's kind of like we're just going to show the fans the old characters instead. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was um, overall, I mean, I didn't hate it. But, yeah, they just were kind of just hanging out there. And then from the villains, apart from the Green Goblin, who was obviously by far your favourite, uh, what of the the other returning characters like Sandman or Lizard and Electro? Uh, who did you enjoy the the most? I understand. I understand Sandman at first being like friendly with Spider Man, mm-hmm. um, and then wanting to return home. Um, but him siding with the bad guys. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I'll take it. Yeah, you know what I just what I just thought of. It's like you know the the theme of with great power comes great responsibility. That whole thing that they try to hone in on when uh, and uh, when May dies is that. Uh, they they portray these villains as maybe a product of of circumstance in a way that these powers had have made them bad. Uh, obviously, you know, with the two villains from Tobey Maguire's universe, it's the chip that made made them go crazy, and otherwise, Doc Ock would uh, Doc Ock would be um, fine, I guess. And then the serum that made uh, the Green Goblin um, so cr- also like evil. Uh, and that's pretty much it. And if they can fix that, then they're normal people, and they don't have that anymore. But with um, but with the ones from the Amazing Spider-Man, it's like, no, wait, Sandman was also from the original trilogy. Oh my god, I almost yeah. forgot. But uh, like all of these, they, they they apart from uh the the lizard who had that weird idealized way of making everyone a lizard, which doesn't really make any sense. It's like they fixed them as people if they don't have any powers so it's like through their power that they have they don't use it responsibly and selfishly and that's yeah. what makes them villains and i don't know i just i haven't thought of that but i don't know if that was a conscious thing but i, I guess it does make sense that then he's trying to fix them by taking away their powers and uh peter parker like tom holland's peter parker comes into into his own thing uh in adulthood and like he's able to uh act responsibly which i don't know if this is the right movie to you know, say that you have a lot of responsibility and you're definitely doing it right when you've brought these people, uh, these villains into your universe. But I guess at least he's trying to fix it. Any other favorite moments that he had overall? Yeah, I mean, overall, probably not. Uh, I think my favorite parts I've already really talked about. Um, I really enjoyed any of the fight, like the fight with Willem Dafoe. Yeah, action, yeah. That was, that was really good. Um, mm-hmm. mainly because when he gets punched, you can see he's enjoying it. And I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think, uh, overall the, the film is quite good. It's quite, uh, enjoyable and most people will enjoy it. Um, even those who say, you know, these movies are stale, no one can kind of deny that this film is going to serve as the end of this trilogy, but the end of kind of like all the previous Spider-Man films, I guess, because it kind mm-hmm. of wraps up a lot of their stories. You never yeah. really get closure of Spider-Man and Gwen's death in the Amazing Spider-Man films, but now you kind of do when he saves Zendaya. You can see that he struggled with it and he's mm-hmm. still struggling with it, but he's kind of moving on and he can move on because he hears that uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man has moved on and he made it work with the girl. So yeah, not only does it wrap up the, the, the trilogy of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but it kind of gives you closure for Spider-Man, like, Spider-Man 4 that we're eventually going to get, but we never got. Mm. And also the amazing Spider-Man 3 that was, I guess, cancelled. So it was just an extended rhino fight, the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm glad I didn't see uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3. But other than that, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to quickly, I guess, uh, 
talk about that um the, the scene with electro when he first meets electro i think that fight scene was also kind of sick mm. uh, on the outskirts just the action overall was really fun um i talked about this already in the review i did quick shout out to uh, the solo podcast that I do, the Ewan Graf podcast. Yeah, I already dropped a review for uh, a non-spoiler review for Spider-Man there. And I talked about uh, how the, the movie has kind of a gloss problem that I, I felt like the look of the film was maybe due to COVID restrictions. I thought it, like a lot of it just looked artificial. And you mentioned this when we looked at the trailers that, uh, you know, Doc Ock's uh, arms are no longer puppeteer uh, puppeteers, but did they all fully CG? Um, was that something that that you noticed as well, or were, were you fine? It didn't bother. It didn't bother me. Um, I I kind of assumed they were going to do that. They're not going to do. I mean, I I like how side note in the new Ghostbusters trailer there is kind of the puppet, uh, mm-hmm. ghost dogs, demon dog thing. Um, yeah. in one of the shots with Paul Rudd, and I like that. So, uh, but I I I didn't mind it honestly. It looked fine on it. CGI back in that day, even though the Rami ones are good. Like the CGI is good. I wouldn't say it's great. The CGI has definitely gotten better since then um, as a whole. So them just doing CGI. I mean, the whole of Endgame is basically CGI. So yeah, yeah. I'm not going no, to say it, it looks bad. It, it was fine. I'm totally fine. I thought that Doc Ock, I had no issues. I thought it looked amazing. Um, the, Not like Amazing Spider-Man. No, but uh, it, uh, it was a bit distracting how it felt like even just shots that were we're all on stage obviously it's a big production so a lot of it would be shot on stage but it looked i don't know it looked looked fake to me maybe maybe there's just like the quality of films that we've gotten to at this point that like everything looks so crisp but it was a bit distracting to me at least that it just looked glossy and i wasn't really feeling the visual aspect of the story a, a lot because maybe i saw these characters uh from these other um spider-man universes being in in a in a different look than this was and this was all like um john hughes type of uh coming of age universe that we are within here and it looks a bit more uh bright and everything but i don't know it's not a, i don't have a big issue with it but uh look let's move on to the post credit scenes um two of them i guess one of them was a trailer and the other one was uh venom for some reason which okay <laughs> i made myself a voice memo right after i i saw the film and uh, basically, I was I was a bit confused because the whole Venom and this scene, like, it doesn't make any sense in the context of the post credit scene in Venom Two. Mm. Um, I don't know if you I don't know if you uh, noticed that as well, but it's like the timelines don't really match up because like he just switches to this different universe right at the end of um, of his film, uh, Let There Be Carnage, and then a couple days pass, and he's just at the bar, and then he's just back again. Uh, and just thought like it, that doesn't really make any sense. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, they, they I guess left a bit of a symbiote over in this the, world. In this world, yeah, that we are currently in. So, do you think that guy, the bartender guy, who's um, who plays a character, uh, blanking on his name, but um, in Ted Lasso, uh, do you think we'll get him as Venom or? Uh, yeah, I mean, could be for the time being until he finds this world's Eddie Another Brock. Host. Yeah, true. He just tries to the venom, the venom symbiote tries to get back to his old Eddie. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. Um, no, I, I mean, I thought it was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess they popped him in and popped him out. Yeah, that's cool, I guess. And then he disappears, and I was like, at first, I, I, I obviously just thought, oh, this, that's that's shit. <laughs> they mm-hmm. just popped him in as a gag, uh, and then they show that little symbiote come to life, and yeah, no, it's kind of interesting. Um, 
I guess they've introduced Venom into this universe. Yeah, what was a bit surprising in the overall film as well was that, uh, I mean, we assumed that we might get, you know, a reunited from different universes type of Sinister Six team, but mm-hmm. we only got five uh, bad yeah. guys. And not even five bad guys because Doc Ock was on their side. Doc Ock uh, became good. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a, more of like a, a four against four. No, four, yeah, four, four v four in that end battle. Way more evened out Civil War style. But uh, but yeah, I was actually I was actually uh, hoping for a bit of a introduction of Venom. But I guess they keeping those universes separate, at least for now. I mean, we I think we do have confirmation that uh, Tom Holland signed on to do another trilogy. I believe. Oh, uh, interesting. So yeah, so there's quite a few. I don't know if I'm totally mistaken there, but I think I've heard uh, rumors or some even maybe some confirmations about that. I guess that's that's it for Venom. I don't I don't think we get a third Venom movie. I think he'll just like be a part of. Uh, I guess it would be a different version of Venom. I don't. I don't know. I I don't know what they're planning on doing with this. Uh, it it is kind of out in the open still. You know, in the Morbius trailer, they did reference um Venom, and I think uh Michael Keaton's um Michael Keaton's Vulture was also featured, but that would be in a different universe, I guess. So I don't know. I'm a bit, I'm a bit perplexed as what Sony is doing, but hopefully they'll figure it out with the animated movie. Uh, but what did you think of the the other post credit scene, the the first trailer for Doctor Strange? Yeah. It was cool. Um, as I said, I'm, I like I like Doctor Strange, so I'm excited to have another Doctor Strange solo film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I at first I was wait I was waiting for this little scene, and it turned into a trailer, and I got way more excited. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very very excited. It was very fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, bringing back some characters from the first one, that turning them into villains, from what I can see. Uh, mm-hmm. and also continuing on one from one division, um, yeah. Scarlet Witch. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. I, I mean, this is going to be, I, I don't really see the premise because they just opened up the multiverse. And I guess at that same moment, that's where the convergence and stuff happens in Loki as well. Mm. I just assume. Right. Uh, so I don't know if he just like, if that is now open, the whole multiverse uh, ha- has opened it. Or if it has something to do with what Spider-Man did. Because, like, weirdly, in, in a weird way, Marvel is doing, like, different, um, in different movies, it's, it's just, like, an inciting incident that opens up the multiverse. So I'm, like, mm. wondering, okay, what's the origin? I guess at, it is from Loki and, uh, spoiler for, for that show, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, from Khan. And I'm just wondering when he will show up. Do you, do you think he will be in this movie? Or, I mean, he's confirmed to be in the Ant-Man film. Um, yeah. So I guess that will be his first. I don't outing. think it will be in this one. I reckon it will be Ant Man, but it will be kind of like teased in this one as an end credit mm. scene. Yeah, at the end yeah. of Doctor Strange. Just heaps of uh, of cons coming in. Heaps of cons. <laughs> just I mean, they could they could do that that they like drop the first trailer for their next movie. I just want I just scene. want. Uh, I don't mind. Oh wait, it's not. Is it Benedict Cumberbatch who screams Khan? No, he is Khan. No, um, he is Khan. I think right in Star Trek. I think he is Khan. Yeah, he's Khan in Star Trek. Don't worry. I was going to make a joke yeah. about him saying Khan really loudly, but don't worry. It's um. <laughs> he could say his own name. He could he say could his own name, but he's not. Yeah. Um, he's not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the first look at Doctor Strange too. Uh, it it looks exciting. There's the uh mirror dimension stuff that happens, and um, we get that rivalry that was teased. Uh, yeah, uh, Carl Carl uh, Carl Mordo in the um in the original one. Uh, I'm not trying to pronounce the actor's name. I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it. But uh, but yeah, he seems to be back as kind of an antagonist. And something that we didn't touch on, we didn't really talk at all about 
Doctor Strange uh, in our review, but uh, Benedict Wong being uh, the um, Sorcerer Supreme because uh, by default, <laughs> yeah, that's very funny because <laughs> Doctor Strange was blipped out of existence for five years. <laughs> Joe, Doctor, I found I, I thought that was quite funny because like Wong. Uh, Wong is amazing. <laughs> so yeah. I want to get more of Wong. Hopefully, he'll he'll be a bigger part of this. Uh, he here it was kind of just played off as comedy. As I also like, like how I like how Sorcerer Supreme is cage fighting abomina uh, abomination in in Shang <laughs> Chi. <Shang-Chi>. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's also <coughs> very random. But I I, I don't know <laughs> the whole thing of like the 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 uh, snow being in there and just two mindless drones of people that they just they did they possess these two people to shovel snow for them mm. I don't know, it's, it seems very inefficient that uh two sorcerers would need uh like physical labor to get rid of snow couldn't they just do a spell and vapor nah. and, fuck that uh, just get everyone get someone else to do it <laughs> yeah i guess it was a funny scene um not that it was completely void of logic, but uh, but but yeah, I mean that's I think that's pretty much it. You could talk for hours about the, 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 all the references that were made in this film, um, but overall, I think we arrive at the conclusion that it is a very enjoyable um, as well, like conclusion to uh, a lot of different Spider-Man franchises, and I guess uh, just uh, a stepping stone for the Tom Holland um, iteration of this character and. Uh, yeah, uh, where would you want to see them go next with uh, with Spider Man? I don't know. Uh, re- re- reboot the trilogy, re- restart it. I don't <laughs> what know. What do you call it? The the breathtaking Spider Man. Spider Man. Um, Spider Man. The, Porky's the Incredible Spider Man. The, the Incredible Spider Man. Yes. What what else is there? There's, there's a couple of those. Right. The Amazing. The Incredible. It should be um, the Spider Man House trilogy. There could be an adult series called The Horny Spider Man, and it's. Mm. Yeah, it's like they they just ask uh they just ask Toby over and over again. Yeah, so so we're not buying it. It's not only from from your wrists. Well, it's you not from your wrists. Yeah, <laughs> well, else can you shoot it? Come on, come on, you can tell us. You can tell us. Uh, that whole <laughs> that whole banter was also kind of fun. Overall, I think it's a solid outing in the MCU. And um, you know, with Shang Chi and and this one, I think they had uh two very solid films this year. Uh, and then Eternals and Black Widow was kind of a flop. Uh, unfortunately, I was hoping a bit more for Eternals. And uh, next year, next year early, we'll get what? What are we getting next year? We're getting Doctor Strange, right? Yep. Uh, first, we're getting yeah Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, followed by Thor: Love and Thunder, and then uh, at the end of the year, the uh, Black Panther sequel, Wakanda Forever. So uh, yeah, uh, three interesting movies on the horizon, and just a lot of shows as well. And uh, we'll talk about Hawkeye uh, next week that had a couple of surprise uh, characters appearing in it as well. Um, but luckily, where did you arrive at for Spider-Man No Way Home? Yeah, but a four out of five. Interesting. Yeah, I arrived at a, at a similar um, a similar rating. I gave it a, a three and a half out of five. But I did really have a good time. And I think it's it's one of the, the uh, in the top half, uh, at least for me, in the top third even of um, MCU films at large. Uh, but yeah, uh, let us know your thoughts um, on the film over on our Discord, or you can write us an email, even leave a voice memo over on Anchor. Uh, we're interested to see what you um, think about uh, this latest Spider-Man film. Um, that brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the first season of Hawkeye, as well as uh, Matrix Resurrections. And uh, I might have a bit of a review for Licorice Pizza, but 
Uh, if I mean that, we might wait on it until it releases for you in Australia as well. But in the meantime, I do have a solo review over on the UN Graph podcast if you already want to hear my thoughts. Uh, but don't forget to leave us those five-star reviews over on Apple Podcast and tell a mate about the show. It goes a long way and helps us grow. Uh, you can also join our public Discord for uh, film raffles and a film club and join our Patreon for just one buck a month. You can become a PA and get show notes for our episodes. Uh, you get them early as well. And um, yeah, also the monthly drunk cast that we just recently did on Venom 2. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, that's set underscore quiet, on Instagram, quiet on set podcast, and on Letterbox quiet on set. All of our personal socials from myself and Lachlan are linked below. And uh, yeah, I think Lachlan, <laughs> it's it's finally time to finish my cold pizza <laughs> that's in front of me. So I'm going to go believe, watch Witcher. I do believe it's pizza time and we'll, we'll catch you after after christmas or whatever holiday or just holidays i guess whatever enjoy you your holidays enjoy them and uh yeah go watch portrait of a lady on fire <laughs> after the marvelous description from kelly i know everyone's sold on two women in france <laughs>